Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast that you've always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. I just almost hit the wrong button there. All right, well, hopefully hit the right button. You got a little, we're all still live. little hi-hat action there to kick off the show. And also joining us on this journey is Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. Yo, my boxers are just really uncomfortable right now. Holy shit. And it literally Wonderful. happened just as we started. <laughs> also, just as we started, Maddie like had to change his shirt because you know it's prom night and he had to look as <laughs> good as he possibly can look. I'm not I even mean, I, Flex, I flexes, I it, no, flexes I something a, on it. <laughs> flexes in a non-skin tight shirt. But, so he uh, says he spilled something on it, but what happened probably is that I made fun of the fact that it was a Final Fantasy IX t-shirt and I called him a nerd. <laughs> and then next thing you know, he's run away and he's changed his shirt to an Under Armour shirt. So no, for those who know me, know the nerd shit doesn't bug me. I embrace it. I love it. So no, I would just tell you to you know kick rocks, eat dirt. I don't know something like that. No, legit. So like I had my drink in my hand and I went to put it down, but I clipped it off the table and it went like on the front, and so it was like wet and you could smell it a little bit. And I was just like, this is. I, I do not like this. So I was like, I have to change it. And just before we started recording, Matt, he said he's not going to hit his uh, arm on his mic. And somehow he's managed to already spill a drink. So <laughs> Hold on. we'll see how For that you, goes. Let me turn on my ring light. <laughs> <laughs> so good. if you're not joining us on YouTube, and you should be at 43.6 on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and like and comment on those YouTube videos. We greatly appreciate it. If you're not joining us, you aren't aware that Maddie uh, turns on his monitor to one solid color just to illuminate <laughs> his face. And I think it's a improper use of a very uh, nice monitor. But you know what? It's his monitor. I have three of them. Whatever. Get out of here. Yeah. He you can know do what? what he wants. Hold on. I'm going to do this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're going to go here. We're going to okay. go here. Uh -huh. And then I'm going to put a ring light on that side too. So the front and the right are both my ring light today. Well, there you go. You're getting all sorts of spatial lighting. Gamut. Yep. Sure. The whole gambit. And that's what we're going to hear and talk about on the podcast today. We're going to talk about the World Series is upon us. And we have two teams that have finally made it to the World Series. We'll talk about that. John Schneider has kept his job. The NFL Week 7 is almost complete. There's a game happening pretty much as we're recording, but... No one cares about that game anyway. So we're going to talk about our week eight picks and go over our picks from week seven and see what paid and see what didn't pay. The Toronto Maple Leafs are good again. At least it seems that way. And we'll see if they continue that going forward. Russell Westbrook is still not good. And the <laughs> Lakers are not good. And we'll talk a bit about that as well as the interesting situation going on with Soccer Canada. All that and a whole lot more coming up. On this week's episode of 43.6, episode 28 of 43.6 is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, but we'll talk a bit more about them later. But first, we want to talk about our week and everything that has happened in our lives in the past week. And James, we will start with you. Uh, what did I do this past week? Um... Man, I went. I took my kid to Pumpkin Fest in Toronto, at Downsview Park on Sunday to meet to meet. Well, like the main thing was to meet Bluey. Like so, a couple weeks ago, we took 
kid to the Markham Fair, so to meet the Paw Patrol, and it's just people in the suits, right? And then like this pumpkin fest that Downs you was doing a meet and greet with Bluey, so it's this big ass Bluey costume with somebody in it. But like, man, like I marked out for Bluey. I was like, holy shit, it's Bluey. I'm like, I know it's a guy in a suit, but I'm like, holy shit, it's like I wanted to take a selfie with Bluey. Like, I don't know, Bluey's like. I really shouldn't say this, but like in terms of kids content, I shouldn't say this because like who are like the shoot job, right? But like Bluey is the is a very, very well crafted kids television show that like I would watch normally, like even if my kid wasn't around because it's just funny. Like it's got funny, like it's one of those cartoons that has like funny adult stuff in it too, or commentary for adults. Um, but like if I was blitzed, that show would be like the best show I've ever seen in my entire life. So one night, I'm probably just going to sit down, get a little high, and watch a shit ton of Bluey. That's probably what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to end up snacking out on probably some sweet chili heat Doritos. And, you know, call it a night, you know? But yeah, Pumpkin Fest was was fun. Do you remember doing anything like that when you were a kid? Like, was there a meet and greet that you went to that you remember? It's a good question. Sharon Lewis and Bran. Dude, I was on stage for Sharon Lois and Bram as a kid. I played the spoons with I Bram. I got hit by a car as a kid, too. I did get hit by a car. But it wasn't a meet and greet. I guess I met and, and greet a car. <laughs> I couldn't think of what the past tense of greet was. Greet. Greet. Um, oh, man, yeah. No, like, I remember being at, like, Chuck E. Cheese and seeing the people like that. Like, what else? Canada's Wonderland used to be... Um, I forget what the company that had it was. They used to have like the Hanna Barbera, so like the Flintstones were always there. Hanna Barbera, and that was cool when I was a kid. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Like, I guess like not a suit, but like I said, when I met Wendell Clark, <laughs> that's a little different. But I can't. I don't think. I don't think I had anything in in the big suits except for Wonderland because I don't. I don't think they. I don't think these kinds of events were out there as much. When I was a kid, there was more like destinations that you would go to as opposed to like pop-up events like this. So aside from theme parks, yeah, that's generally where you would have saw it. Like I remember I had a whole bunch of pictures with... Actually, you know what? I might have somewhere in this desk. I think I found it recently. I have like this autograph book from when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, I had one of those. Mine was green with checkers on it. Yeah, I went too. Mostly filled with but, WWE guys. But it was, yeah, like I went to Disney World when I was a kid and I got like Timon and Pumbaa's autograph and all that bullshit. But, <laughs> That's cool. Uh, <laughs> aside from amusement parks, it would have been, I remember one time we went to Grandin Toy. <laughs> like, if you remember what Grandin Toy. Yes. Yeah, for, uh, wait, the supply store for a meet and greet? Right? So it seemed very out of place. Like, I always remember Grandin Toys being like, like a Staples, but a very yeah, small. It's one, a right? small Staples, yeah. Yeah, and it's green. But there's a meet and greet there with the Green Ranger. Wait, like <laughs> the actual like Jason David Frank? No, no, <laughs> definitely not. Just a dude in a suit, Just some over Just dude, some dude, overweight in dude, some, like, bootleg <laughs> Halloween costume. It wasn't even like a good costume either. Even like the. The you dagger know, the little, was the one you got from Toys R Us? Yes, the okay. dagger was the toy one, and then there was, like, the, you know, the little morphin thing? Yeah, the there's medallion. There's a morphin toy, and there's, like, a medallion that went in it. 
but his didn't have a medallion in it because they never made a Green Ranger one for the toy. <laughs> so he had like this blank morphing belt buckle thing. Can you imagine how that went down? Hey, can I get a picture? Listen, can you buy some fucking paper or what? Like, just like... <laughs> hey, like, yeah, I remember... No, go ahead. I remember there being like along the queue as you went and lined up for your picture there was like all sorts of power rangers toys available to for purchase so like it must have been some sort of agreement between the toy manufacturer and grand and toy like yeah. hey we're going to introduce a line of toys to your store so why don't we get some asshole to dress up like the green power ranger and it's probably an a- employee from that store like they just yeah. brought in the suit and there's like hey billy you want to get in the suit Oh, there it is. Look at that. I'll have to dig mine out one day and show you. Dude, I have The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, all that stuff. Hugh Morris. Well, Hugh Morris. That looked like someone had to be abused for that autograph. (laughs) Oh, oh, this is a good one, too. Here's a good one. The Gambler. The Gambler. Kenny Rogers? Kenny Rogers? The Gambler was just some enhancement talent in WCW. I feel like... Did you ever watch Undergrads? I have not. The cartoon? It's like, the Dugler. It's the Gambler. I remember that. At least this guy wrote my name. Dustin, Dustin great Green. to meet you. Desperado yeah. Joe Young. So that's Again. like, I went to a, I went to like a pro, like I should, I say pro wrestling. It wasn't. Uh, I went to like an indie wrestling show in Lindsay, Ontario, back when I was in high school. With a, uh, I don't know if you were heavy into indie wrestling in high school, but there was a promotion called HWF. And it was run by like a super shady promoter. Like once I got in the business, I, I heard about the promoter. He's a piece. He was that guy. He's actually the guy that ran that show that he skipped out on with the money box. And then we ended up paying some of the talent. Remember that? Was that the one in London? Yeah. Oh no. I don't know. It was we paid jewels and we paid like some of the people. Remember? For the I money remember there lost. was a show in London that was doing like an ECW hardcore gimmick and smash it, ended up paying a bunch of the guys. It might've been that. Yeah, like Gregory Iron, I think, was one of the guys. Yeah, who yeah, got yeah. So well. the guy who ran that was the guy who ran this HWF Fed, I think. It was called Hardcore Wrestling Federation. It was stupid. But I remember they had, uh, they were like, I hung around after the show to get autographs from people, and it was like Jack Damage and like El Tornado and like Tyson Dukes and uh, Derek Wild. Like, I have the, like, I had the back of the flyer with uh, with all these guys and they i remember them advertising so here you want to talk about a meet and greet i remember them advertising a former wwf champion for a photo and a meet and greet and i you'll never guess who who it was virgil nope worse Mm. valvinus worse than virgil yeah and a former champion so it's probably some guy who like held a tag title for a day don't get hung up on the champion part (laughs) Oh, no. So he wasn't actually a WWF champion. Dude, it was Barry Horowitz with a replica WWF title. <laughs> the, he had the, the, Didn't Barry the, Horowitz end up winning a tag title at one point? I don't think so. He had a winged eagle replica. Okay, well, he definitely didn't win that. And, he, yeah, he was the one that was there for the meet and greet and the, and the in-ring photos. It was fucked, dude. It was Did messed up. meet him and grab him? But before I came on the show, I went to Starbucks and I grabbed uh, a drink just like you last week. That's okay. High voltage. Oh, yeah. shit. 
So that's the only good one that's in here is high voltage. And God knows what happened to those guys. But I used to love high voltage. Went back when you'd watch WCW Saturday night on TBS at 6.05. I have a question for you. Because you had your drink last week, right? I did. Is there anything worse than ordering something from Starbucks and having like a 15 step order and then they fuck it up and then you have to go in to get it corrected? It's the worst. Well, first of all, I don't but have the a thing. stupid 15-step order. But here's the thing. What's it's worse 20. is being the jabroni that calls them a jabroni for fucking it up, and you're the one with the 15-step order. So wait. So like, is this something that happened to you, or you witnessed someone doing this? Oh, no. I witnessed someone doing it with, like, the 46-step order. Like, they had 46-step order. They took their drink. They ran out. <laughs> so they, they took their drink. They walked out with it. It had no top on it because it had whipped cream. They got out the door, turned around, came back in, and they said, I asked for no whipped cream. It's like the first fucking thing on top of the drink. Like, you already know it's there. Mine was three steps, and they forgot the lemonade. But it says strawberry aside lemonade. So I don't know how they fucked that up. But uh, it happens. I know, I, that's like, the thing. I, I'm a little more sympathetic. But I just drink it anyway. It's probably better for yeah, me without like, the lemonade. I'm just like, whatever. It's. I, I like usually I'm just too tired to care because it's first thing in the morning. It's like six thirty. I don't give a shit. I'm just like, eh, hit or miss. We're okay. But I mean, like I said, I'm probably better off without the lemonade. But but yeah, that was my uh, my weekend weekend. Maddie, what? I had to go to the office for the first time in like five years last week, and it's an experience. And I knew it was going to happen too. You get, oh my God, I haven't seen you. How are things? Oh my goodness, you're having a kid. And I'm just like, yeah, guys. And I'm like slowly doing the progressive walk away where you do the half step back and back and back. And I don't want, I didn't have like a pass because that's, you know, I never really go there. I have to go there. And, you know, like, I will say it was nice to see people, but it definitely productivity wise is it's a no go. It's a no shot for me. I, I will get nothing done if I go in there. It's a social experiment or event. If I go in there, it's just I can't. So that was interesting. So I did that um, mostly because I had laptops that I had to return, not just one, not just two. I had three. Cause they kept breaking them. So I had to return them. Um, so yeah, so I did that. Uh, what else did I do? Shit. Oh, we, uh, I'm surprised Jim didn't mention this. We had a family barbecue this weekend up in Innisfil and man, what Innisfil, a, we, the Innisfil what a Lakers. <laughs> what the fuck is an Innisfil Laker? I used to work for this, uh, greater Metro hockey league as a public address announcer. Oh, is this the outlaw league for like the junior yeah. A? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the team in Innisfil was the Innisfil Lakers. Oh, okay. I had a buddy who played in that. He was really good. He played in it for, I think, two seasons, and then he got kicked out. But uh, that's besides the point. Um, but yeah, we had a family barbecue up there, so it was cool to see family play with like my family's doggos and things like that. And it was kind of, you know, perfect weekend for it. You know, end of October and it's 20 degrees. Let's go. You know, yeah, the weather was fantastic this weekend. I was yeah. driving around with the sunroof opened at one point on Saturday. 
I picture you being the old school guy with the old Buick LeBaron with the like the cloth roof and it's <laughs> like retractable. Yeah, and it goes like this and then Get it stuck. comes down and he, he does one of these <laughs> in the wind as he's driving and he's listening speaking to Tom of, Petty. Speaking of, I went I actually got I got my haircut today too. And when I went in there, I said, Yo, y'all gotta give me the DP and they said, What's the DP? They said the massage parlor's next door. I said, No, not that kind of DP. I said I got the Dustin Perry. Too hard for that one. Uh, well, if you had actually went and saw Anthony DeFrancesca, he would have understood exactly what you meant. And I don't think James can hear me because he's got his headphones off his head to show off the DP. But nevertheless... Yeah, I miss what you I, said, I, but I, I said, quick, I got, I got the Dustin Perry, and they were like, who's that? And I said, doesn't matter, just save the sides of my head. <laughs> quick question, Dustin, did you come out with a beard? Like, were you born with a beard? Uh, no, definitely okay. was not. Because um, you were talking about your youth and being a kid at Disney World. I picture just like a mini version of you with, you know, maybe slightly bushier hair, but still a beard. Yeah, I think if you want to picture me as a child, I would be a very small, skinny, brown girl is the best way to describe <laughs> what I look like <laughs> as a kid. Just because like I always had really long hair. So okay. everyone always thought like from behind, like I was a girl or something, especially like when I played baseball. And you just have like your your helmet and you're holding a bat and I'm like, you know, seventy five pounds trying to swing a baseball bat. Mm. No, I hear you. swung a baseball bat like a child. Yeah. Anyways, um, I wasn't very good uh, playing baseball when I was a kid. That's for sure. So, how about your week? How was it? So on Saturday, uh, as I mentioned, Greek town wrestling. uh, So no, that was the weekend (laughs) before. But uh, on Saturday, uh, as I was driving around with the sunroof opened. And actually put a bow on that. Barry Harwood did not win any championships. I was I must have been confusing that with the one, two, three kid and uh, Bob Holly. Or no, one, two, three kid and Marginetti. What Whatever. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um I went and saw Black Adam over the weekend. What'd you think? I heard okay, I heard it's you don't need to go theaters to see it. Just enjoy it at home. Well, if you uh, watch any of the red carpet footage of The Rock, he said you have to experience this movie in theaters. Yeah, the the Rock also told me to drink lots of Zoa energy, not taking into account that it would explode my heart. So, <laughs> uh, do you need to see this movie in theaters? No. Do you need to see this movie? No. Do you need uh, to see the end credits? Yes. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> None of this is like. I mean. When the end credits thing happened, so the reason why Maddie's bringing this up, because there was this, like, I think The Rock tweeted it, actually. He, yeah, he sold um, it, spoiled out, it before yeah. the movie even came out. Well, sure. So, sort of. Well, it got leaked, and, and I think they just owned it. Yeah. Yeah, probably. So I don't want to, like, speak too much into it. But basically, The Rock tweeted a video of, like, you see no, nothing, like, visually. But you just hear, like, people popping to something. Like, like something happens and everyone goes, what? Like it's something super shocking and crazy and whatever. When it happened at the end of that movie, I just rolled my eyes and walked out of the theater. So <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a bad movie. If Why you, go? Like, like if, if I'm just, like if you're not excited by that moment, then why, like none of that movie is of any consequence to you. So why did you go? Well, I went because it's The Rock, and I, I've, I, I mean, I'm invested now in this DC universe that is horrible, for the record. Like, 
for every okay but they say this is they say this is supposed to reset it somehow like it's supposed to shift things no it didn't no 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 (laughs) did the hierarchy of the dc power actually change i think what they meant by that is illustrating how powerful black adam is i think that's all they meant by that but they also like they were also like because the rock apparently has a lot of influence on that whole scene now right uh, and apparently, well, considering it's supposed- that you throw him in the movie or you attach him to anything, it's easy 150 mil opening yeah. weekend. But I think it's like he's claiming it's level setting things, like introducing the JSA and all this. Like it's supposed to give a new normal almost to like a new baseline. No? Didn't feel like that? No. I'm honestly uh, really th- curious just to see Dr. Fate because I always liked him in the comics, so it'd be cool to see him in person. And I hear Pierce Brosnan is just the best part of the movie as Dr. Fate. He might be. He was definitely entertaining. And I... De- Look, there's a lot of interesting parts to this movie. There, like, some of the characters were fun to watch and some of the action was fun. I think you just have to go in with pretty low expectations and... Just do, anything they say, just put it in one ear and out the other. None of it makes sense. Um, like there's like the, the whole through line of the plot makes zero sense. Yeah, a lot I, of things they do just doesn't add up. Just forget about it. Stuff happens. It stuff blows up, and the rock throws people in the air really high, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> there so is, it's like Transformers. I wouldn't say it's as bad as Transformers because Transformers is like laughably bad. Where can we just like, I, I'm, cut the Transformers hate for <laughs> just in case? No, I case. like the Transformers <laughs> movies, but you don't go to the Transformers movies for plot. You go just to watch giant robots beat the shit out of each other. Uh. And I think that's fair. I, I I think you're right. Like, so I I like to shit on the Transformers movies because they oh. are horrible movies. But well, no, like plot wise, there yeah, there's nothing there. Yes, yeah. yes, I, okay. But Outside but you're the right. First like, you're going there I to like see the like yeah, you're going there to see like robots beat up each other right and that like honestly that was the draw for me and i know like this was that year probably jim's sleeper favorite movie the year pacific rim came out yo i didn't give a shit like you could have literally just started the movie halfway through and just had a cut ending where there's nothing you show me some robots beating the shit out of some monsters or whatever I don't care. And I think the problem is, is a lot of the time nowadays, people just get so invested. Be like, well, this plot was weak and there's no character. Develop. Sometimes you don't need that. Sometimes you just want to turn off your head, watch giant robots beat the shit out of each other, watch completely fantastical people that would never exist in our world, beat the shit out of each other and do crazy, amazing things and just sit there and just turn your head off and be entertained. I mean, it happens every Monday night for three hours, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? And that's like, so for the Transformers movies, for me, it was never being like, I'm expecting a Benjamin Button level plot. That's yeah. not why I go. I go because I loved Beast Wars as a kid. I really want to see the, you know, the, uh, like the Beast Machine. So like Optimus Primal and Dinobot and things like that. Or when I was younger, I really wanted to see Hotshot and Soundwave and things like that. And I didn't give a shit if... You know, Shia LaBeouf has the all spark and he's running around with it. No, just show me Optimus and Megatron slugging it out. Like the piece is going flying. That's all I cared about in the Michael Bay sunset that he always has to have. I didn't care. I just want to see robots beat each other up. That being said, Rise of the Beast is in theaters this July. And I mean, 
if you're into Transformers and you and you want some Transformers product, please hit up Amazon. Check out that Transformers product. Well, no, but I'm I'm genuinely excited for that because you know everything that I've read and whatever, it's it's just that's all it is. Is just go turn off your head for a couple hours, enjoy the spectacle, and that's it. Not to belabor the point, but I think the difference is that Transformers is something you grew up with and a lot of people grew up with. It's like an, it's an IP that is recognizable, whereas Black Adam, I think to a lot of people, is going to be their introduction to this character. Yes. yes. Okay, that's fair. True. So I think you need to have a better plot and you need to firmly establish who this character is yeah. and why he does the things he does. Because yeah. it doesn't make any sense. I still but think I, the reason is they should have introduced him in Shazam. Easy. Oh, I can assume why they didn't. Because that movie sucked. And The Rock was probably like, I don't want to be in this shitty movie. Pump the brakes on the Shazam. Shazam's, Shazam's arguably right. one of DC's best movies they've done. Oof, guys. I don't know. Oh, you know what? You know what? Let me. I may have to rewatch it. Because I honestly don't remember it. And I'm saying it sucked because I don't remember it. So it's possible <laughs> that it was a good forgettable memory. movie. He's, he's, just DC, a, he's just a dirty DC cynic. Just... No, he's got DC muscle memory. You know what? The only things that I remember being good from DC recently was Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey, whatever the hell. The Suicide Squad. Not to be con- confused with Suicide Squad. And, and that's a whole other thing that factors into this shitty-ass movie, Black Adam, too. And then... Uh, Peacemaker, although not a movie, but like I enjoyed that television series. I guess the original Wonder Woman was okay. It was just Captain America version, DC's yeah. version of Captain America, First Avenger. But, you know, Batman vs. Superman was bad. Martha. Suicide, Suicide Squad was probably the worst movie I've seen in a very long time. Then Aquaman was, meh, who cares? It, it was enjoyable, but when you find out Amber Heard's batshit crazy, it just salts that whole movie. And speaking of crazy, uh, Gal Gadot also uh, starring in Wonder Woman eighty four, <laughs> which was just downright like insulting how like how wrong that movie was. So I feel like for every good movie that DC does, there's at least one or two bad ones to come, go along with it. I I thought they were starting to write the ship because it had been pretty consecutive of some solid stuff, and this was not one of those things. So who knows? Well, do you have hope for Flash? No, not really. I think Ezra um, Miller. Ezra Miller is a, a lunatic, and I don't know if that movie will ever see the light of day. It may. They spent too much, and at this point, they've invested way too much. They have to. They have to get something back. They can't just scrap it, not let it see the light of day. They have to get it out and say, guys, even if we make 50% back, we have to. Yeah, I can see that. They're, they just need to recuperate something, because they've invested a lot in that, and at some point, you're going to start to see the, you know, the payoff for all of that. And someone else who invested a lot is our sponsors. Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine arts, prints of movies, comics, TVs, TVs, <laughs> TV, and video games. <laughs> Stores from galleries in the US and UK, which includes artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. 
Visit the ever entire expanding ever entire <laughs> ever, ever expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or dot com n o w y o u r t r e a s u r e s dot ca or dot com. Remember, go to now your treasures on Instagram. Send them a DM forty three point six to receive forty three percent off any order. Now to business. We have two teams in the World Series. And I don't know about you guys, but I think we have a clear, definitive baby face and heel in this situation. Even though the Houston Astros managed to uh, not only defeat the New York Yankees, but also embarrass the New York Yankees. Hold on, you forgot the fraudulent New York Yankees? Not only fraudulent, but I, I, I think I sent it to you guys, but maybe not. And this was floating around the internets today and yesterday. Did you see that quote from uh, Pedro Martinez, where he's on the he's on one of the broadcasts for the World Series? <laughs> he grabs his mic and he looks at his one and he's like, "Hey, Yankees fans, I got a question for you. Who's your daddy?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's not Big Poppy anymore. It's not me anymore. Who's it now? I think it's the Astros. <laughs> it's just hilarious that he is just hate on the yankees everyone loves to hate the new york yankees that's what i tweeted earlier today that the only thing better or only thing no, okay so nothing as good as rooting for your team your own team or seeing your own team win but the next best thing is seeing the new york yankees lose so well not just that but watching the complete and utter meltdown of yankees fans across all forms of social media you know, they had a 160 batting average against the Astros. i was i was gonna say if you're the Yankees and Aaron Judge is asking for half a billion. No, you didn't deliver in the playoffs. Get the That's fuck what I'm out saying, right? Well, and where else does he go? Dodgers? Red Sox? Red Sox? Red Mets? I mean, the Mets are spending. Like, this is, the Mets are now the Yankees in terms of spending. But that's what I mean. Could you imagine? Like, but where, like, where or, would Aaron Judge go? Do you know what I mean? Like, what team... What team wouldn't take a run at Aaron Judge? What team wouldn't take a run at Aaron Judge? But yes, he's big and he's strong. But let's be honest. Let's look at, take all the home runs he had at Yankee Stadium and take about 10 or 15 off those. Because anywhere else, those aren't home runs. Those are still a lot of home runs, though. Th- that's fine, but it's not. Yeah, he's, still a 50, he's still a 50 home run hitter. That's right. You, you t- if he has 62 home runs, you take off 15, like he still leads the Blue Jays in home runs. Okay, but then you put him in a National League park and you probably take another five or six off that. He'll probably lose the National League in home runs, right? <laughs> so I think and it, I, the reason why Aaron Judge is going to command that much money is because not only is he you know, the home run king of the league, but he's also an incredible defender. And he it has speed for a guy his size. Like He can do it all. He's, there's not just, many guys that we talk about to be a five-tool player, and he's one of them, right? I just get the sinking feeling that like the Yankees aren't going to... like. There's going to be a problem there, I think. And I know we're talking about the World Series, but I just want to touch on this real quick. I think there's going to be a problem there, which, I mean, if Aaron Judge doesn't end up a Yankee next year, oh, man, is that divi- the, the division is wide open, right? Well, I mean, who do Giancarlo's they, who, only getting older. And who do they replace? Like, we talked about replacing Simeon's 40-something home runs. How do you replace this man's 62 home runs? Well, is Juan Soto a UFA? Like, did he no. go to the Padres with... No, he has control. At the end of the year? He has control. 
yeah but yeah. i mean they have a year or two of control on soto so yeah i don't know I, I mean, we we say that, but the Yankees will figure it out. They'll deal something and get somebody, but, or yeah, right. But that's what I mean. Like Judge could actually potentially hold them hostage, right? Because if if they don't have any other prospects and they they risk to lose him outright, like he could he could really screw them over in terms of cash, right? Like not that they they would ever hurt for cash, but I mean, they could overpay end up overpaying for him hypothetically. I would not be surprised, and this is an extremely hot take. Like a muy, muy caliente take. Mike Trout's a Yankee before the end of his career. I can see that. I don't doubt that at all. And I don't think it's longer. I think it's in the short term. In the next two years, two, three years, I think Mike Trout's a Yankee. Who's who's a Yankee first? Otani or Trout? Otani. No, I would say I would say Trout, but I I I I think what you're you're getting at is I think there's a fire sale coming for the Angels, and both Otani and Trout are going to be key pieces of that. And they'd be stupid not to because, I mean, you have them both in your lineup and you still suck. So <laughs> why not try to get something for them now while they're still, like, regarded Decent. as two of the best players in the league? Right. Yeah. But as we digress, I know we were saying World Series is just fun to shit on the Yankees when we get the chance. But I. <laughs> I was always a Bryce Harper guy over Mike Trout. I really want to see Bryce Harper. Me too. Just, just get the World Series. All the, all these years of people shitting on Bryce Harper, the dude's been playing out of his mind in the playoffs. He's batting like a four ten in the playoffs, and his OPS is like a one thirteen. Yeah. This, this guy, this, there's no doubt if they win, he's the MVP. Zero doubt. And. Well, you he's said finally, he's finally telling people to shut up, and I love it. You said Dustin, you posted a good stat in the chat today about nobody's run the table, right? So since well, I in in the wild card era, if I have yeah. So I in the can... wild card era, no one's ever done it. And what I mean by no one's ever done it, I mean going undefeated in the postseason. So it happened once prior to the wild card era in the division era. We'll call it um, in 1976, the Cincinnati Reds were undefeated in the postseason. But since they've expanded to the division setup, which I think was like in the mid 90s or whatever, no one has ever got undefeated into a World Series ring. Now, the Astros are going to have to do it. You know, it's still have four more wins to make that happen, but they're on track to do it. And it's not like the Phillies were regarded as the best team in. Major League Baseball, right? Like, that's if, if if anything, they would have looked at this this lineup of teams in the postseason and said, "No, I hope it's not the Dodgers." You know, like they don't necessarily yeah. want to be in that situation against them. Like the Phillies are well, probably their best case scenario. Well, didn't so, they fire their manager early in the season? The Phillies. I, I don't remember. They were think... not. They were not doing good. You know, there was. Early in the season, I think it was the first 25, 30 games or something like that. And there was a lot of talk of, you know, they paid all this money for Harper and he hasn't delivered and they thought he would draw in a lot of free agents and it hasn't really gone the way that it... Yeah, dude. Phillies fired Joe Girardi after 22 and 29 start. You're right. Yeah. And people are saying this is a wasted season for the Phillies and another wasted season of Bryce Harper on the Phillies. And now look at them. They're they're the one everyone wants to win because no one 
the second most hated team in baseball after the Yankees is the Astros. Like, let's be honest. So it is literally Houston against the rest of sports fandom. And that could also be a really cool thing, or that could be a galvanizing thing for that team. You know, saying the typical us against the world kind of thing. But I'm I'm excited for this World Series. You know, you got the Phillies who are, you know, a different team than you typically see. Because the past few years, it's always been the same, you know, three teams that are four teams that are in and around it. So I don't know. I just really want Bryce Harper to get it. I mean, the Phillies replaced the Joe Girardi with Rob Thompson, who's Canadian, by the way. So, um, and he was their bench coach from 2018. So he was interim and then he got a two-year contract extension. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if you see me drawing any parallels there, but... Uh, I mean, it's an excellent segue, but I did want to say before we get yeah. off the World Series topic, um, you know who plays for the Phillies and is in their bullpen? Brad Hand. <laughs> Can you imagine if Brad Hand is ends the one up getting that wins the World Series? A World Series ring, even though he was just the absolute worse for the Toronto Blue Jays. Do you think do you think Brad Hand's the kind of guy that comes in and he you know what whatever position he's in gets a couple guys out and in his head he's like I just gave you a hand job. <laughs> do you think he's that kind of guy? <laughs> I think I mean, he is. That would be very funny. That'd be fantastic. I also and I do want to say one second. The you mentioned no other team has done this since the Reds in '76. You said so. '75. Uh, I don't. I've already closed it. <laughs> Doesn't matter. The '70s. Yeah. Um, think about what an accomplishment that would be. Like when we talk about perfect games, no hitters, and how rare those are. Like this would be one of those. Like this is an all-time accomplishment if the Astros pull it off. It's better than a perfect game. That's what I'm saying, right? Like you, like it's a perfect, it's a perfect postseason. Like I don't. Like, so many more well, things have to go right for this than a perfect game. Well, how many perfect games have we seen over since 1976, right? Yeah. If it's any more than one, which we all know it has been, and this hasn't happened since then, this is the hardest thing to do. And it's not just in a season where you're running off 25, 30 straight wins. This is the postseason where yeah. everything's amped up to 11. Everyone's at their top. You're playing the best of the best night in, night out. Except the Yankees. But yeah, you know, you're, you're getting everyone's best. One of the coolest stats from the postseason so far, and it's speaking of someone like giving their best, it was Aaron Nola. Did you hear this stat about Aaron Nola? No. So Aaron Nola, Aaron Nola obviously pitches for the Phillies, and his brother, Austin Nola, is a uh, hitter from the San Diego Padres. So when they're playing against each other, this stat came up last week. And this is from Eno Saris from The Athletic. <laughs> it says, Aaron Nola has thrown over 10,000 fastballs in his career. 10,000 fastballs. Okay. Nine. Just nine of those 10,000 have been 96 miles per hour or greater. And they were all to his brother. <laughs> Three of those nine were thrown to Austin Nola. I'm not gonna lie, I'd throw high heat at Jim if I, he was batting and I was pitching. And I would take this man yard every single day. But you On don't a even walk to the high. yard. You can't and take a, a bunt, ball yard. And a bunt up high. <laughs> bunt up high. 
It'd be like the Piazza and Roger Clemens. <laughs> That's what it would be like. Right? And I don't know about you guys. I'm sure you're not affected by this, but I live in Brampton currently. And we are recording on Monday, October 24th, which Diwali. happens to be Diwali. Um, and it Diwali. sounds like a war zone right now. Like there are just bombs going off everywhere. It is. And by bombs, I mean fireworks. <laughs> but like, it's it's crazy right now. Like it is real i feel bad for all the dogs in the area like and it's not just tonight like it's been going on all weekend and like i was really confused on saturday night when like all these explosions were happening i was like what is how are how are you confused why is this happening how are you confused isn't that like every year it happens i mean yeah but like it's not something i do so it's not like something i mark on my calendar to know that this is going to disturb my life for the next three days Yo, do you but know so, CBS? Sorry, just quickly before we do kind of go. Do you see CBS has the Jays as the 11th favorite to land Aaron Judge? I mean, they might as well be the 30th. I favorite. think, dude, I think the Jays are in the top 10 favorites to land anybody because they're contenders and they got money to spend. So anytime you see a hot free agent, the Jays are going to be on the list because they, they need pieces and they have money. They have Rogers money. They need a left-handed bat is what they need. They need pieces. They need they need a left-handed bat. You're right. But what they don't need is a new manager. I teed that one up for you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Because <laughs> um, I didn't know how to get from uh, Diwali fireworks. To, well, that's, uh, why I, that's why I was <laughs> looking at that. I was going to say something like, you know who else caused some fireworks this, uh, this week? Um, anyways, uh, yes, the Toronto Blue Jays caused some fireworks earlier this week by re-signing John Schneider to a three-year extension and there's also a club option in 2026. Uh, Snyder came up all the way through the organization. This guy played for the Blue Jays. Well, not necessarily played for the Blue Jays, but played within the organization and then moved over to the managerial side and coached his whole this all the way up the organization now to a big league manager and, of course, took over as interim manager when Charlie Montoya was relieved of his duties back in July. Since then, Snyder led the team to a record of 46-28. and 28. And they secure the top wildcard spot under his reign, we'll say. Now, we all know what happened with who the Blue Jays once they got to the postseason. And I think we talked about it on this show of like, did John Snyder just coach himself out of a job by the way he handled game two? But according to Ross and Mark, nope. He is back and he's here to stay. For however long that lasts, you know, obviously these jobs are never safe, but I'm, I can't say I'm surprised because again, I think we talked about on this show of like, okay, who's the other option? And I think when you look down the list, I don't know if there was a better option. There may have been like guys who historically won more games or guys who historically won world series or whatever, but were they going to come here? Maybe, maybe not. Were they going to be a good fit for this team? Who knows? At least you know Snyder came up with this team. Like, he would have came up with... Like, he managed Guerrero and Bichette and Gurriel and Biggio and Jansen, Romano, Espinal, Meza. Like, he managed all of these guys at a lower part of the organization. So championships, no less. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's a good point that he brought them championships at one point, right? So... 
I understand why they did it. I I would have been fun to see them make a a nice you know an interesting splash here, but I don't think he's necessarily the wrong person for the job, and I at least want to see what he can do over one full season. I think that they at least owe him that. Maddie's rolling his eyes and his tongue, so job of the hut. Here's the thing, though. You wow. say you say he man like did he manage his way out of that game? Maybe, but are you putting an entire manager's career on on one moment in one game? Like there there are people that fuck up. There are all star coaches that fuck up multiple times in multiple games. Like well, yeah, I, Buck Showalter didn't put in Zach Britton. <laughs> yeah, up the Orioles against the Jays. Right. So like I think I think you're right. I think. The three-year contract to me is, like you said, is is almost meaningless, because I think we all, like you said, they can fire him tomorrow. Like it doesn't matter, right? Um, this is more uh, to retain him if they do decide to uh, to keep him, right? Um, and if he does well, um, I think I think you're right. I think you just have to see an entire season around him. I think Mark and Ross didn't give him the tools necessary to succeed at that single moment in time um you know had he had different weapons maybe um again the bullpen had no heat um and that at that point in time i think is when they could have used some heat out of the bullpen uh and when you're only above 94 mile an hour pitchers you say kikuchi you know, you, you probably start looking down your list and going, okay, well, I could go Kikuchi or... So I don't, you know... We'll see. I mean, hopefully they address the bullpen. Like, I, I'm way more concerned about that than the manager, right? Like, I think I think Schneider's... And he's, he's already a, def, a different temperament than Montoyo. Like, how much more did Schneider jump out of the out of the, the bench than, than Charlie did? I think he's much more vocal for his players i think he's much more stands in front of things for his players so like you said we'll see for a full season um yeah i don't know i'm comfortable with it like i'm not like i saw it coming i'm i'm just there's my point it's comfortable this team doesn't deserve to just be comfortable and content with everything that's been for however long you know they want to pretend or at least make themselves out to be contenders everything that was touted about them going into this season and i just feel like john schneider being retained not to say it's not deserved i just think not exploring your options and obviously we we don't know whether they did or didn't or they just didn't like the pool that was out there or if they even did reach out to people or whatever i just think that it is almost settling Saying, hey, yeah, you did pretty good. You know, why don't we just try it out? I just think they should have at least put an effort in, maybe taken a little bit more time, done a little more due diligence to see who's out there, and then go from there. Do do I want him to be good for this team? Absolutely. Do, do I think he will? I genuinely think he will be better than Montoyo. But at the same time, I just think... And I think we talked about this before. I think these guys are, it's, it's more just status quo for them. I would, I would say, in there. 
I would say if Schneider loses in the first wild card round for the next five years, then we'll say that you know it's been some sort of failure in status quo. He had a forty-six and twenty whatever record. His first playoff run, he lost, and the Jays didn't make okay, the playoffs what, last year. So, what, what if the Jays go seventy-five and one ten, or seventy-five and one? They would play. They would play too many games. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. It's like, what if the Jays only get, win But then he's gonna get canned. Then he's gonna get canned, right? You so, think that you think they only give him a year? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I don't. I think he's still. I think a three-year contract. Like I said, I don't think that's job security. I think that's Jay's security. Uh, I think. Was there any risk of him leaving? Be honest. No, but if, I they, think he's, maybe, if they waited, if they waited a month, say the World Series is done, and then a couple more weeks, do you think you run a risk of John Schneider leaving? Yeah, he went forty-six yes. and twenty-something. Absolutely, yeah. I don't. I don't buy it. That guy's been around this organization for so long. He would have been on the dick. He would have simped so hard for this team if they're like, hey, just just, just give us some time. But that's also the guy you want then, right? You want a guy who's going to die for this team. So, I mean, we can't have it both ways, right? I, I do think he would have been scooped. Like, if, if the Familiars are pro- promoting Rob Thompson, right? I just found out who that guy was today, right? Canadian guy, their bench coach since 2018. I'm pretty sure another team would have scooped him up after his, his record. Good managers in... Baseball, I say good managers are, are hard to find. If you have any sort of success, because I would imagine that most managers end up with a losing record as opposed to a winning record. So anytime someone shows any sort of sign of promise, like I think teams are itching to bring that guy in, right? So I just I just want a fresh I fresh voice, fresh fresh vision into the organization, not someone that has been with it for so long that has been with these guys for so long that kind of just almost i i just think what'll happen is is these guys will drown it out much quicker than a typical manager also remember there's probably changes coming to this team like i don't imagine guriel being around much longer again they the money that they're gonna have to pay Bo and vladdy it's not good like they're not going to be able to pay Guriel and Teo what they want, I don't think. So there's probably going to be changes surrounding this team. So I wouldn't doubt that John's going to have much more to deal with. And you know what? I would agree with you if, if he didn't win. If he wasn't a winning guy through the organization, I'd be like, yeah, no, fuck it. They need it. But this guy knows what it takes to win. And sure, it's single A and double A, but there's still wins. And they, they, still, they still count for something. Um and would, I, would we want a Joe Girardi or a Joe Madden here? I don't know. To be honest, what if, what if I take a Joe Madden? Yeah. I, what if what if the the boys don't don't play under him? But then that that's the same argument for any manager, even for Schneider. You know, they could say no, but we know the they hun- play under him because they have the honeymoon of just getting rid of Montoyo, being in the chase, and then whatever. A full season and say this shit goes south and they go five and 30 at the start of the season don't tell me those guys aren't just going to be like well fuck this guy yeah but you know, I, I don't especially know. right especially I don't know. guys like vladdy and Bo and whatever i think the argument of playing for somebody is kind of irrelevant i think it's it's more of I also think that shows a lack of professionalism on an athlete to say, well, I'm not playing for this guy. So then should Keith have been shit canned by now? I mean, 
he's got a longer track record of success all, in terms of numbers with this team. He, he's won one championship in the organization. He's failed twice in the three times in the playoffs. Twice, three times. I mean, right. By, and I, by think, every, I think at the end of the season, he's gone. If if they if they <sighs> if they don't make the playoffs or they're out of the first round, he's gone. But that's no different 100%. than a, that's no different than a Fisher Cats title that Dustin's holding, right? So. No, Dustin's holding a Marley's. That's what I'm saying. It's no different than a Fisher Cats title. No, but I think for a guy like Schneider who's been around for 20 years versus a guy like Keith who's been around for five, there's a difference. Well, but Keith's been in the organization for way more than five. No, it's only been five years. He was in the Sioux beforehand. He's only been with the Marley's for five years? Well, with the lease for two and a half now, roughly, because he came in halfway through. Yet last season was his first full season with the team. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Okay. Time moves by quick, eh? Yep. So, and then he was with the Sioux. Obviously, he has a relationship in, with Dubas, and that's why he's Dust, there. Dustin, you're the tiebreaker. He probably, you no, know, you know what? He's going to be that dude who's like, I see both points. Let's give him some runway, <laughs> see how they do. We'll see you in spring training. February ball. I've already said my opinion. I think John Schneider deserves a shot at to give him a full season. And after the full season, if it's not working out, then you move on. But I don't think yeah, they have not, a big enough sample size to say he's good or not good. And he's not, it's not like the players are fucking 40 years old and this is their last crack at it, right? Like, they're, and they're going to they sign these a guy guys, like that. And they're going to sign these guys long term, right? So, mm. Vladdy and Bo. I think Vladdy I, and Bo. Well, I think Vladdy, yes. I think Bo's the one that may put up a big stink. But either way, so the runway for these guys to succeed is is rather long. So, I I mean, if if next year becomes something different, again, you're... And if they do move on from Bo, like you said, your next period of contending probably isn't for another two, three years anyway. When Moreno, Martinez... Um, and those guys are ready to come up and play, right? So, this fan base isn't waiting. They're not going to go through well, the highs of what they, they will. Did. They, dude, after 2016, all them white girls with the Jays hats came right back out as soon as as soon as this team started winning. This oh, they all was came full. out for dollar hot dogs on a Tuesday. <laughs> hey man, everyone came out for dollar hot dogs on a Tuesday. Let's be not this guy. I ain't, but, yeah. I ain't no the Jays, hot dogs. Jays fans are raw are or full f- cooked. <laughs> Wait, you're eating raw dogs? Funny, you never, you never raw dogged it? <laughs> oh boy, let's move on. Next time, got out of hand. Boxers All are going right. to be riding up. Jesus Christ! Of course they are. Uh, of course, we do make our picks every single week in the NFL. And if you happen to make a three-game parlay based on our picks, uh, it would have been invalid because you couldn't possibly make a parlay of. Uh, one team winning and losing in the same parlay. But if you did make a two-game parlay of just my picks and James' pick, you would have won because I picked the Jets over the Broncos. And even though it pained me to watch that game because that was an embarrassing effort by the Jets and the Broncos are just one of the ugliest teams in the National Football League right now. So nevertheless, the Jets did win. That's right. <laughs> I'm never gonna get rid of it. And James uh, bet on a fellow New York team. He bet on the Giants to beat 
our boy TK's team. And it came down to the wire, drivers. too. Did you see that? It stopped him really on the added. one. Stopped him on the yeah. one. That was, I mean. That was a hell of a hit, too. Oh, he caught him Listen, right in midair and just. And you want, you want to talk about the Jets beat? Listen, the, it, Brees Hall, like, God bless this man. Torn ACL. The guy ran 65 yards for a touchdown. Ran at a top apparently 24.5 miles per hour which was the fastest anyone had ran open speed all year according to next gen stats this kid was probably going to win like rookie of the year or some shit and it's unfortunate that the man had an acl tear and that game would have been way better had he been in the entire game so how much how much of a legend do you think that guy would be if that's it his career's over like it's an acl injury for a running back that's not like easy to come back from no, on the bright side, one, one and a half, one two years of productivity left. Uh, on the bright side, he's very young, right? So I think he will be okay in terms of rehabilitation. Um, other other guys have come back from ACL tears and been just fine. So I think, you know, other guys aren't Adrian Peterson. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm not saying Brees Hall is Adrian Peterson, but he hmm. was looking stellar and he was like leading the league in like scrimmage yards. Or something like that in the last little little bit. So we're leading all backs in scrimmage yards. So I mean, that's that's tough. But the Jets are five and two. The Browns apparently are looking to move on from Kareem Hunt. So I'm just saying, the Jets well, could finish twelve and five. A, yeah, is approaching in the next week or so. Sorry, the trade deadline's approaching in about a week or so. And if you're the yeah. Jets, I mean, Michael Carter finished that game admirably. Did a great job, but. I mean, it doesn't. If can we also quickly talk before we make our picks? Can we talk about the whole Elijah Moore thing? Did you see that? Before we uh, move on, I just want to say, Maddie picked the Jags over the Giants and did not win. So the score is four for Maddie, three for James, three for myself. We will make our picks for Week Eight later on. But James, go on. Okay. Did you see the Elijah Moore thing? I don't think so. Re- refresh my memory. So Elijah Moore is a wideout for the Jets. And he asked oh, for right. a trade. Yeah, okay. Right? But then the Jets, like, and basically, like, everyone broke down how this man has had just as many, like, snap opportunities as anybody else on the team. Um, but anyway, Jets uh, Twitter found this man's burner account. He was, like, responding to people, being like, you don't know what it's like. He's a good character guy, blah, blah. You don't know what goes on in that locker room. I'm like, dude, you're way too way too obvious and people were like nah it's his agent or someone like that and like that's fine that's still tech like to me that's his his burner adjacent right like that's the same shit they all roll up same in the agenda. same thing but if you're elijah moore and you're garrett wilson and you're denzel mims like Brees hall's not there now like they're gonna have to and Full full transparency on the Jets fan side. Zach Wilson hasn't thrown the ball very well, if at no, all. Like it's not. been it's been the Brees Hall show and the defense. The defense has been incredible. So yes, I will give you that. So they're gonna have like they're gonna have to buck up on the wideouts going forward. I think. Like I said, Michael Carter's great, but you don't have the two back system that you did before. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot tougher, but. I don't like. I still think they can get to twelve and five if if the wideouts start performing because they have they have a blend of of slot and and vertical backs. So we'll see. Or sorry, uh, vertical wideouts. So you know the the schedule is still very favorable for them, but 
Yep. Uh, the majority of the teams they have played this year have been against a backup quarterback. And again, next week, they get a backup quarterback. So it's... They have had a is, very favorable. Is Mac schedule. Jones not ready? Now, course, I thought Mac's ready. I, I mean, if he if he is, sure, but like he hasn't played all year. Yeah, I heard he was playing. I think he's playing tonight. Is he not? Yeah. Well, then there you go. I guess I, <laughs> they won't have to play a backup quarterback, or unless I already know that he's going to get hurt in this game. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's just, gonna go. he's just, uh, yeah. If Mac Jones expected to start tonight, so this is we're recording okay, this on Monday. So yeah. Well, we'll see. So I mean, that he has, means he has the Jets will actually have to play a real quarterback now. I mean, come on, man. Listen, like I said, the Jets have had shitty quarterback luck. Give me all the fucking terrible third string, eighth string quarterbacks. We, we've earned it, all right? I say we like I'm on the board. We've earned this. Yeah, like, <laughs> like you're on the field with them. All right, now getting onto the field. We have to make picks for week eight. My pick is simple. They were my Super Bowl pick when we did our playoff preview, or season preview, I guess it was, when we made picks of who's going to win each division, who's going to win the Super Bowl. This team was my Super Bowl pick, and they're playing the Cardinals, who have just been straight trash all year. So I'm taking the Minnesota Vikings over the Arizona Cardinals. Nice pick. James, I would have taken James, it, but I can't. Maddie, whoever. Jim. I'm taking... After watching this week's absolute thrashing, I'm taking the Bengals over the Browns because I think with the rumors that the Browns are moving on from Kareem Hunt, I think they are calling it a day on this season. Um, I think they use the balance of the season just to acclimate um, Deshaun Watson to the system, and they're not really going to give a shit about wins or losses. So um, Bengals over the Browns. The Dak is the Dak attack is back, Jack. I believe in Dak Prescott. I think arguably, and I do say arguably very specifically, top seven quarterback in the NFL. But I just think the Cowboys are a good team, and I just think Dak makes them that much better. And yes, it was the Lions, but you know, they're playing the Bears, and the Bears are no good. <laughs> Justin Fields doesn't know if he actually wants to play football or not, so I'm taking the Cowboys. Listen, you know what's funny about that that game? Um, I have the, the Dallas defense in my fantasy league, and I, I'm planning on eating up points because the the Bears have no run game. And Fields, they're, they're one of the top passing attempt teams in the league, the, the Bears, I believe. So... Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs are going to have a fucking field day uh, with the Bears, I think. So I'm going to start them in fantasy, the Dallas defense. All right. Well, that's our picks for week eight. And we'll get to see if we are right or if we are wrong next week. And you know what? Sometimes on this show, we are wrong. And when I say we, I mean specifically James. And last week, James was calling for the head of every single person in charge of the Toronto Maple Leafs, saying this team is done. Let's blow it up. They need to completely change everything they're doing. I didn't say that. (laughs) This is just, this is like the worst team I've ever seen in my life. They They look like the same team from last year. This is just unacceptable. 
And since that time, the two and oh. <laughs> they are two and oh since that three, time. Is it two and oh or three and oh? Uh, I mean, well, by the time this airs tomorrow, they'll be three and oh because they would have beat the Vegas night Golden Knights tonight as we're recording. That's a tall order. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but it was right after the lost Arizona when we recorded last week's episode. So people were a little upset based on the way the season had been going. They had lost Arizona. They had barely got by Ottawa. They had lost to Montreal, for Christ's sake. It was not looking good. But flying in with his cape around his neck like he's Superman was Nick Robertson, who put this team on his five foot nine on his <laughs> five foot nine frame and said, Come on, boys, we're going to the promised land. And Nick Robertson helped the Maple Leafs win that game in Dallas, or not in Dallas, against Dallas. And now the game against Winnipeg. Oh, man. On Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. The whole country's watching this game of the mm-hmm. Toronto, Blue, Toronto Maple Leafs just have their way with the Winnipeg Jets. Now, there was some calls that uh, probably should have been called against the Maple Leafs. Don't give, me the bull- don't, don't give me the bullshit Sandine call because DeMello didn't get called when he fed Marner's face into the board I, on the basher. So, listen, I, just Sandine saying. got a penalty and didn't even end up in the box. <laughs> that's that's how messed up the refing was that game. <laughs> not only did Sandine not end up in the box, I'm pretty sure the Leafs ended up like net the power positive. play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and that Sandine was on the like, power play. Yep. Yes. It's like the Jets ended up with two minors. The Leafs had one minor. It's like, wait, what happened here? How did this? <laughs> right. But like, listen, the Dallas game. Okay, it's not like they beat Dallas handedly, right? And they took listen. And poor Austin Matthews, man. That dude took a shit ton of abuse from Jamie Benn in that game. A shit ton. So much that he was visibly sore in the Winnipeg game. So, like, there there was a camera shot where they caught him wincing and holding his back where where Ben basically beat the shit out of him. No, it was one cross check in between the point of your pants and your shoulder pads where there's zero padding. Right, but no, but Ben was on him all game and and gave him quite a run that entire game. Um but listen dustin like both listen you can't don't put this all on me because you agree with me you agree actually no he he said he sees some of your points but he kind of leans in with me that so much so so much so that you said that the lineup that they iced in winnipeg is the lineup that should have been iced from the start he said i said i didn't say that on the show because we didn't know i'm saying that a couple days later I'm saying yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I didn't actually say it on the show last week, but I said it to you guys on Discord. Like, when the lineup came out for the Winnipeg game on Saturday night, I said, This is the lineup they should have always went with because this is the one that has Simmons and Clifford, and you need some sandpaper in this lineup, which right. I know is proving your point, James. I know. Because what happens is two things. One, and I'm going to call this accountability. And why am I calling it accountability? Because it happens two ways. This is like, this is like, pasta lobster pasta two ways or whatever the accountability from the other team right so what happens is not only are those guys there to make sure dumb shit doesn't happen to your boys but the other the other team your players become inspired right they play bigger look at morgan riley morgan riley plays bigger because he knows he has support around him. He doesn't have to be the guy. He can be a guy in that concept. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then, 
there's accountability on the bench because these guys are workers and heart and soul guys. If anybody's slugging it out there while these guys are just trying to make it in the lineup, you think Wayne Simmons is going to let that happen? Absolutely not. You think and if Kyle Clifford and says, hey, Matthews, pick it up. You're slucking out there. I think Austin Matthews turns to him and says, I'm a back-to-back Rocket Richard winner. Go fuck yourself. But we're not talking about Austin Matthews. No one's taught, like, no one's, that guy's played incredible this season. He has one goal. He's still playing the best hockey of his career. So no one's talking about Austin Matthews. We're talking, no, he is. He's got, he's got, like, second or third on the team in hits. Has uh, an abundance of assists. The guy's playing fantastic. He had three assists in Winnipeg alone. Right. The, it's, it's the guys who are, who are dragging their feet and being not engaged that they're going to call out. And it's not going to happen over one game. It's going to happen night in and night out. Not to mention, you lose out of the lineup guys who are basically doing nothing in Engvall. And, like, listen, I was stoked about the Abbe Kubel, and he's had 20 hits, but he's not, he's not being productive on the ice, right? So you might as well, like, these guys are, are difference makers. And you before that, and Robertson is too. Robertson's a worker. He's a heart guy. You watch him, he's a buzzsaw out there. Right, he's involved. Yeah, he's engaged. He himself had said that he had to tone it back because that was his problem. Right, but he's still engaged. Right, but there no, are guys just, on this team I, that I, I love. I love the like. I do agree that those guys in the lineup are needed from time to time. But I love the overreaction, ver- both with one game with these guys in the lineup and four games into the season. <laughs> uh, so hold on. So here's something that I think James, you're going to absolutely love. Sure. Um, the game hasn't started yet. So again, we're recording on Monday night. We're roughly about an hour from puck drop. But Pierre Engvall is going to find his way back into the lineup tonight. <laughs> so I'm sure you are very happy to hear that. He's going to draw in and Zach Aston Reese is going to be coming out. So uh, Simmons and Clifford are going to be in the lineup tonight again, which is interesting. Um, Obey Kubel still not in the lineup. And obviously Aston Reese coming out now for for Engvall, and I feel like there's someone else I'm missing that had to be taken out of the lineup as well. But I think this will be interesting to see how this lineup goes, because I know Engvall, like you said, is out there. He's doing something. I don't know what exactly. I used to play with dudes. Don't What bugs me about Engvall is for a guy with size, speed, and can move the way he does, his complete lack of a motor. And I don't mean the, you know, go in and run a guy through the boards. I don't mean about that. Just get to the puck first. But when that's the that type, big. That's the type of guy. That's when you're that mean. big and you're that fast, you should be able to get to the puck first. My biggest problem with Engvall also too is the goddamn turnaround all the fucking time. He grabs the puck. He goes up three, four feet, stops, and then turns around and has to reset. And what that says to me is you don't have the ability to play the game and the pace that this team is playing at because you can't process fast enough. It's not a physical thing. It's a mental thing. But he's also not... Don't don't get me wrong. I'm very aware of how fast the game moves. I've played it. And I know that it's easy on TV to look and see it. And then when you're out there, you know, it looks like these guys have five, six seconds to make a decision. You don't. You have maybe one and a half. But... Guys of that are professionals of that degree, you expect them to at least be able to be serviceable in that degree. 
Right, and he's not he's not bringing anything else special to the game. Like he's not like if okay, he's not. So then what happens if they get blown up tonight, both physically and on the scoreboard? What's, what's but that's it the thing. Be? They're they're not in the they're not going to get blown up physically because of that. That's the thing. Like those teams, Vegas is a much different team than Winnipeg, dude. I, I in terms of physicality, I don't think they're too much different. Winnipeg's Winnipeg's considered one of the toughest teams, and that's considered like in terms of tough and a tough barn. Like that's what that's considered. I don't think. Listen, if it was the case, they wouldn't dress them that game. I don't think Vegas is no, much that's, different. That's historics, knowing how the Winnipeg players. Winnipeg is not a tough team. It's just when they play the Leafs, they like to be those guys. Winnipeg is not a top 10 tough team in the NHL. Get out of here if you legitimately think that. I, I would definitely disagree, and I would think most people assessing all the games would disagree as well. So okay. I guess you don't... That's okay. fine. You don't have to pay attention. But it's... It's, now you're going to get condescending. No, I'm just saying. It's, no, it's widely you can just say all you that's want. That's not how it is. The Winnipeg right. Jets are not a top 10 tough team in the league. The Winnipeg Jets aren't even the same realm as the Vegas Golden Knights. This team, Vegas not only plays quicker, they play bigger, they play more structured, and they come at you in waves, and they have more talent. Okay, I don't like that, but the Vegas Golden Knights are going to benefit from having all those emo kids who are upset about when we were young getting canceled being in attendance tonight. Yes. All I'm all I'm saying is, teams with that element play better. They play bigger. They play harder. And why wouldn't you want that from this team? And you're not taking away top end talent to do it. It's not sustainable to have three lines or you know over a full 82 game season. What do you mean? You're talking about the Maple Leafs? Yes. They would have four. The Rangers do just fine with it. The Rangers are a better team in that regard. Well, I, I think the the point is this is the way the Maple Leafs team is like currently made up, right? So right, and the way they were made up before it wasn't working. They, they, right, they, so they, they kind of have this. It's it's top six, bottom six right now, and regardless of like who's in the bottom six, I think they're all interchangeable parts at this point. Like the they're, Leafs, they're the Leafs still lanes. don't have a fourth line. They haven't had one for years. No, but I I think. That's what they're trying to find right now. No, exactly. And they're rolling in Simmons and Clifford, and they're taking out Obey Kubel, and they're putting in uh, Aston Reese and whatever. Like they're trying to find that right combination on that fourth line, and the third line is not that great, anyways, either. Like that entire bottom six is going to be a revolving door, I think, for the next month, month and a half, until they finally figure out like what the identity of those two lines are. Because I'm with you guys. I don't think the identity is there yet. Well, and it puts too much stress on your top two lines to understand that one, the bottom six aren't as reliable enough. Yeah, you have maybe one or two guys down there that you can rely on, like a David Camp or, you know, a Kerfoot. But to say that that doesn't have an effect, okay, in two, three games, you can do it, whatever. Guys are fine. You know, you get your breaks here and there. Doing two and a half lines over 82 game season, or if you're lucky, three, that's not sustainable to get you through so to not was, have to not have a fourth line or a fourth line plus one or two guys on the third line that you can't trust it's it's not doable so to me it's not the problem of the fourth line it's the third line because you look at a team like tampa bay they just pat maroon every fucking game yeah but he's effective so so is, so is wayne simmons no he's not not now you're comparing Pat Maroon, who's won back-to-back cups and been to like almost what four straight Stanley Cup finals. 
I think he so, went back to back to back cups. Didn't yeah, he? he did it all by himself too. So yeah. Maroon, he did it all by himself. <laughs> he hit Pat Maroon's name yeah. is on those cups. It's just Pat Maroon <laughs> and everybody else. No, but what I'm saying is, is, is when you compare player to player, in terms of resume, Pat Maroon's is infinitely more detailed. I mean, again, uh, so, that's those are team things. I would look at the teams that he played on, and there's a reason that the teams end up like acquire a guy like Pat Maroon because you need him to win. That is exactly it. Teams yeah, that but win. I think I think a guy like Pat Maroon, yes. I think if you have a Wayne Simmons in the playoffs or a Kyle Clifford in the playoffs, isn't as effective as a Pat Maroon in the playoffs. Why? Why do you say that? Well, because Tampa dummy the Leafs last year in the playoffs. Right, wow. and, and Clifford, I mean, got himself kicked out first game, so... And what did Wayne Simmons do? Like, what do you mean? Absolutely nothing. So, regardless of who ends up on these lines, um, whether it's Aston Reese, Just like the rest of the team, though, by the way, who ended up really winning that series, right? I, I, you could argue that the whole reason Tampa won that series was the bottom two lines, not even their top two. And who was on Toronto's bottom two lines? No one effective enough. Right. So the guys that were effective are probably going to be Wayne in there Simmons was there, but right. He wasn't effective enough, so he didn't even see the ice. Okay. I mean, I, I Maddie's making a great point. We'll I, see. I, I think ultimately the, the point is We'll that see. You can pussify the team all you want, and they're not going to win. It hasn't worked. Dubis is stupid. I didn't say that. Dubis I didn't is... say what, what you're saying is they don't need. What I'm saying is is they need guys that can get on the ice and be effective, not guys that are just yeah, and strictly Wayne Simmons, great that and are Wayne past Simmons, their age. And Wayne Simmons was fucking fantastically effective last game. In fact, he was possibly made play of the game. in Winnipeg. I okay. would agree. He would... Yeah, he's, he's effective for one game where he's amped yes. up and wants to get into the lineup, and he's all excited yeah. because he's not sure what, where his next meal is going to so be in the league. I'm gonna, yes, I'm gonna, that's fine. I'm gonna borrow, Show me this in two weeks if you have him out there for two so weeks. I'm going to borrow Matt's uh, famous thing. It's early. Let's wait and see. I agree. Now, when Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford end up in the lineup, I was trying to think of like who came out of the lineup. Do you remember who got taken out of the lineup? Obey Kubel and Engvall last No, game. in the playoffs. And Dennis right. Mulligan was out for Nick Robertson in Dallas. There it is. So that's what I was looking for. This is what I'm going to throw out there. By December, Dennis Mulligan will not be in this organization. Absolutely, 100%. Nope. He was a stop. He was a stopgap until the inevitable injuries came up. With they knew Jake Muzzin is rubber bands and band aids at this point. They knew he wasn't going to play a full season. At some point, he's going to LTIR. I doubt he comes back. And I say this not because I don't think he has the drive or desire to come back. I think there's more, and this is coming from a dude who eats, sleeps, and breathes hockey. There's more to life than the game. Yeah, he's he got a wife. He's got kids. His quality of life at this point is like you got to say dude you won a cup you got paid good money the team will take care of you we'll give you a job in the organization similar to jason spezza we'll do something but you got to look out for you and your kids and your family at this point and i think and what pisses me off and this is just a complete digression what pisses me off when like oh robert should have made the team roberts did make the team like let's not kid ourselves everyone knew nick robertson made the team it was waiting until the spot opened up, whether it was injuries or some like a trade or something. We all knew Denny Melgan was literally a bath plug 
Doesn't that seem like a shitty way to run a team though? Like, 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 I just, yeah, I just feel like that's like they, they back themselves into this corner to not being able to put the best team on the ice. Like it feels like such a shitty way to wait for someone to be hurt. Right. Hold on. But I don't think we can fully say they did that intentionally or irresponsibly. No one saw the past three years of COVID hitting the NHL the way that it did. That so, like, let's be real here. When they signed those guys to that contract, they were expecting the cap to be eight million dollars more or ten million dollars more than it was or than it currently is. Now we're seeing some relief with that, with the four to four and a half million it's projected to go up next season. So we're kind of going to see a little bit of recovery of right. that. So I don't think we can necessarily say they back themselves into a corner in that degree because it's a very different position if we don't have the past three years. But I think they could have just done away without Gino Mulgan and started Robertson like okay bye like you don't like I don't understand I get the waiver piece but like again ice the best team right but say this say if Robertson has another training camp and is shown wanting like he has the past couple years and doesn't come in and show that now is the time for him then what like you need something that is either familiar or at least serviceable again to get you through there. And that's why they did it. Now they probably have some kind of agreement of termination of contract for waivers that he'll go back to Europe if they can't find a place for him in the team. Cause he's not going to go to the Marlies. He'll go back to Europe. Right. Right. So, but I, what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is they had serviceable. I think, I think Simmons had like, again, you're going to laugh, but I think Simmons had a great camp. I think he's shown at least in the first game, he's been serviceable. So I think they had an everyday player now though. Like he's, he's one of those guys where when you play a Winnipeg, when you play a Vegas, when you play the Rangers, when you play certain teams like that, yes. Wayne Simmons goes into the lineup. When you're playing a team like Ottawa, when you're playing a team like Vancouver, when you're playing some of these teams, Wayne Simmons doesn't play those games. Yeah, right? I mean, I, mean, we'll I but again, what I think this is all leading up to, it's a stopgap until April, March, April, because we all know who's going to be on this team and on that roster the day he gets out of university. Matthew Nuts. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to be on the roster. Do. I don't think he's going to be in the lineup. I do. So you're going to bank? You're going to bank your playoff hopes on a guy who hasn't played NHL games? <laughs> I think. Like, I don't, I don't think I don't, you're saying you're banking. I don't think you're saying you're banking your playoff hopes on a guy who's never played your NHL games. I think what you're doing is you're banking on higher productivity than what you've gotten on the left side so far. I don't know that that's true because you have Bunting who had 65 points last year and then you have Robertson who has not been as effective this year. I think what happens is... What? How many goals does Michael Bunting have? One. No. (laughs) I like how Dustin and me are both pulling it up right now. Look it up. Um, I I honestly have no idea how many goals Michael Bunting has, but I don't think... Uh, when Nyes comes in, he's going to be on the top line. I don't no, think he's going to be on the second I, I line. Think, he's, he's, he's playing with Tavares. No, right, so like, Robertson's going to play there. Arguments are relevant then. Like, Bunting is not moving from the Matthews right. Marner line. And, and if Robertson continues as good as he's playing right now, he's not leaving. So we're, that's, I, just, I don't think it's a problem to have Nyes on your third line. It might not no, be. No, not to, not to start there, but I just think that's not conducive to, how, to what his skill set is. Right. Yes, so that's he's what I mean. In, that's why I don't think I don't think they end up. I think he'll be on the roster. I think he'll be like, quote unquote, black ace. But I don't think okay, he'll. I'm sorry. Bunting has two goals. And how many points? Five. That's not pretty bad. Good. 
It's not bad. It's on pace for like 80-some points this year. Yeah. It's not bad at all. He's got one more goal Again, than Austin Matthews. Sure, it's, it's an empty netter. It's early. It's early. <laughs> it's, early. Yeah. it's early. Wait and see. It's still early, but, guys. No, I. everyone knows. Nyes would have been up here last year. Dude, Nyes... Yeah. The early argument is the funniest argument because the guy hasn't even played NHL games. And we're like, let's put him in the fucking lineup. It's even before no. early. The guy hasn't even sniffed an NHL rink with their highest end university prospects that come out of university when they're done He's, after the Frozen Four. He hasn't even sniffed an NHL rink. Like, how many of those guys end up Stop. playing meaningful games? Well, to be fair, Arizona Coyotes play in a college rink, so technically he has <laughs> sniffed an NHL rink. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There you go. But what I'm saying is, is everyone knows, and I'm not saying he's a grand savior, and I'm not saying that the playoff hopes ride on him. What I'm saying is, is everyone knows the plan has been to just get to that point, and then he's going to enter the roster. And he will bring an element that this team is lacking, which is size that also is complemented by a skill level that suits this team. Right. And we're assuming that he makes that transition. That's the thing. Like, he might not. He's 19, 20 years old. It might not be that smooth. He might not step in and be this big beast that does all these things. No, absolutely not. Right. But I'm saying he probably gets runway of three or four games near the end of the season to see if he can hang. Right. So well, I don't think anything has to wait. happen before that can happen, though. They got to lose a contract. Yes. Right. And that's oh, what I mean. That's... Like, they're, they're not waiting for this to happen. No, they're not. They're not like everything will be just fine when Matthew Nyes enters the that's roster. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is the plan is to get him in there to play three or four games to see if he's ready to go. Yeah, and I'm sure if there's a plan not, to get a bunch of guys in there, right? Like, that's. I mean, we're not I talking about just, a bunch of guys, right? And I'm because a bunch saying, of guys includes Denny Mulgan, right? So I'm saying his contribution, unless you're saying it's going to bank to make a difference, is is negligible at this point because it's an unknown. We don't know what it's going to be. But then that defeats your whole argument that you had last week about this team going forward. It's, it's either uh, A, it's unknown, or B, it's not. Huh? Well, we're going to move forward in our show because there's another... We'll say another uh, I was going to say another uh, team that's struggling, which I guess technically is true. And the Maple Leafs aren't exactly struggling anymore, but it's, it's a nice, uh, easy way to get to this next topic. We're talking about Russell Westbrook. And the Lakers have started the season 0-3. And according to Athletics' Sham Sharania, I don't know if I'm even pronouncing that right, but... Sounds right. Uh, according to uh, Shams, the Lakers are willing to offer up two unprotected first-round picks in 2027 and 2029, which seems like really far in the future. But maybe it's not that far, but I just seeing those numbers, was like, that seems like, you know, Futurama-type shit. In order to sweeten an offer for someone to take uh, Westbrook's expiring $47 million contract. $47 million. Which seems like a lot of money, but like that's just you know, normal money in the NBA. Yeah, that's, that, 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 that's peon money in the NBA. So my question to you guys is, and Westbrook is you know shooting 289 and .083 from beyond the arc this year. It's only been three games. It's early. I get it. Let's but wait and see. Is, Let's wait and see if he gets it back. The question is, how much is a first-round draft pick worth monetarily? I mean... So, no, so I was, what I mean by that is, $47 million is what his salary is. Would you be willing to pay $23.5 million 
for a first round pick and then another $23.5 million for another first round pick. I'm just posing this as like, what if the Toronto Raptors said to the Lakers, hold on, hold on. What if the Toronto Raptors said to the Lakers, we will trade you, I don't know, who is, whoever's the 12th guy on their bench for Russell Westbrook, a f- unprotected first round pick in 20, 2027, and unprotected first round pick in 2029. Would you be interested in that deal? 100% you do it because you know Westbrook will never come here and they'll negotiate a termination of contract and you just got first two first round picks. Especially exactly. two, first, two first round picks near the end of LeBron's career with the way the Lakers are going. Those are going to be high picks. Uh-huh. Done. I don't, I don't know that the Lakers finish the, the bottom. I think they'll be like mid-round picks. Like I, I see them finishing like 10th, 9th. Like I don't see them finishing 30th or anything. I mean, it's still currency though, right? It's, yeah, no, it's for sure. currency, and it's when, like when is, a, a trade currency. When is Bronny eligible? No, you got to remember though, this is 2027 and 2029, like you said. Right. right. As I said, so, is, is Bronny eligible in LeBron, 2028? No, everyone knows Bronny isn't going to LA. LeBron said he'll go where he's going to go play wherever Bronny does. So hypothetically, you can assume pretty safely that it's greater than 50% chance LeBron's not on the Lakers when those, the year those teams have those, or those picks come up. When does LeBron's contract with the Lakers end? I think it's this year, isn't it? Or next no, year? I thought he signed yeah, an extension. He just signs one-year deals every year, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, no, he signed an extension, didn't he? Yeah. I think for the first two, time in his career, LeBron two. signed like a long-term extension. So it's until 2024, right. 2025. Yeah, right. There you go. Okay. So say if at the end of that contract, whether it's Bronny's ready to go and the NBA gets drafted or whatever, say, say Bronny gets drafted in the next, LeBron goes to the next, and then all of a sudden, you're a team that took on Westbrook and that $47 million and got those two picks. You think the Lakers are going to be good in 2027 that that's not a top five pick? And then in 2029, that's not a top five pick. Uh, for those of you listening, Bronny is LeBron James's son. In case you're <laughs> confused by this whole jargon going on here, I just yeah. I don't know I don't know who wants to, like. First of all, I think I is it possible that Russell Westbrook just doesn't like he hasn't been good this year. He wasn't really good. He hasn't actually been very good on the Lakers. Period. He hasn't been good for three years. Do you think this is just him not being like? I mean, the guy's very clearly still like he's a top end talent and he can do things that nobody else can do. Do you think it's just the Lakers system? Like, I think he has to be the guy, right? Like, no, you look, you look at James Harden, LA, everyone, everyone like thought this. James Harden was washed up. He goes to Philly, he's now first like ball scoring threat outside of Joel Embiid on the inside. And when Harden's not an inside player, and Harden's dropping like 41 points, so. And and but Westbrook Westbrook's in Houston, what? when he was the inside guy, it didn't work. So sorry, Westbrook in Houston with Harden, when he was the inside guy, it didn't work. Right, because but it's because he wasn't getting the ball. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like in in Ooh, I think Oklahoma City, the ball quite a bit in Oklahoma. Well, splitting the ball with Harden isn't easy. That's what I'm saying. Right, especially when you're both guards. So in Oklahoma, when Westbrook was the single option, dominant. Right. So I don't. I don't know. I think if he goes somewhere where he's the centerpiece of the offense, he can still, or at least one of the primary options in the backcourt, I think there's still a chance like he's very successful and very good. I just don't know where that is. I don't think the OKC numbers are relevant, though. I think it's too long ago. I agree. Like, it's what, were his numbers in, what were his numbers in Houston? Not good. That's why they shipped his ass out. 
Uh, I thought they traded him. Russell, West. I guess it's, it's it's okay. So it's not just about his lack of production, though. And he played. In he played. Also. He played in Houston for like a day. <laughs> And he, he was, games and he was 22, 22 Warriors points average. Is it, I'm looking at this. Oh, 27.2. Still good. That's pretty good in okay. the NBA. And then Washington, 22. Yeah. Then Lakers. The first year of the Lakers, 18. Then last year, 10. Yeah, so I would say, like, it looks like he's declining, but his 2018-2019 numbers. and I mean, actually, he he's basically games. on career average. He played three games last year. No, that's this year, dude. Okay. Yeah. Then either way, <laughs> last year he played, he 70 played 78 games. games for 18 points. And then the year before he played 65 for 22. Yeah. I just think it's a stark decline because this isn't this isn't just like a middle of the pack player. This is a guy that, yes, is going to be going to the Hall of Fame. He used to be a triple-double machine. He's not that anymore. He's right. 35 so, years old. So 2020, 2021, he played 65 games, and he scored his career average. So I don't know that he's that far removed from being effective. Again, I'm talking about effective 1A contributor in the backcourt. I just there, there are teams that so I think... 47 million? For only this season, though. So if you're a contender... Or you're you're a bubble and you need someone to move you over the hump, maybe? I think he might be a good option. I mean he didn't he no, again, that, similar no, to goaltenders. He's not the guy. Sorry? As you said. Because any one of those teams the he's difference, not gonna be the guy. It depends. The the LA system is very different than a lot of teams because you have to go through LeBron and you gotta go through Davis, right? No. Davis, as Charles Barkley said, is street clothes. <laughs> Well, he had a that good dude, game the other night. He doesn't want to play. He just wants to get paid his money and sit on the court. He was happy winning his one title. Well, he had a he had a good game the other night. So, um, I'm just saying, like a team, like I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's teams that that could use a, a decent backcourt or some help. So, and I, again, I, I wouldn't think, look at a I wouldn't look at a contender because, like you said, the contenders probably would have their backcourts filled. I'd be looking at a like a, a fringe bubble team that. You know, it's funny enough. You know, the Raptors would probably be a good spot for for I'm Russell saying. Westbrook. No, you're, I you're, just I I think he wouldn't fit in the culture here. You think he would come in and his ego's too big. Masai Ujiri would be like, "Get your shit in line." He'd be like, "Fuck you," and it just wouldn't work. That's fine. They get two first round picks for it, right? right. And I'm good with that because, like I said, is the Raptors we, going out and doing the deal isn't to get Westbrook to play. The Raptors getting the deal is to get the two first round picks and essentially essentially have him pull, who was it, uh, Alonzo Mourning, and be like, well, I'm not playing. Fine, we'll take the picks. You can fuck off. We'll cut you a check. You're gone. I don't know that he wouldn't play here. I don't, like, honestly, I don't, I don't. And to be honest, why do, I would ride out the season. If, what's the worst? They don't, they don't have another guard. <laughs> Who's the Raptors' no, guard? It's, it, for as young as the Raptors' team is, do you really want that kind? And, as, and I also say this, knowing how, potentially fickle siakam is do you want that kind of dude in the room i mean if siakam's fickle he's just as poor than temperament as right, well, but, right? If, if, but if you're getting 25 points and 10 boards per game from siakam do you really want to mess that up or just say here you be you right now how everything works in the system fine because you bring westbrook in you're not looking at a drastic upgrade that's worth the potential downside of having introducing that kind of thing into your team's ecosystem where you've done so much good work 
over the past however many years developing one of the best cultures in the league right so then i think then the raptors are probably out on kd probably well i think he's also very firmly staying in brooklyn like i, I don't, don't think, think he's firmly staying in brooklyn i mean he basically well, asked for the management to be replaced <laughs> Right. right, and then they came to an agreement. They said, "All good, okay, we're gonna play." Yeah, I just think I think I think basketball players are like all of them. It's like very fragile, right? Because the the players are bigger than the teams now, and the yep. and so everything's you're right. Like it's so anything, any little thing can can teeter the balance of of a team. It's like it's like combustible chemicals, right? So I don't again, I don't know where he goes. Again, I thought Harden. It, it to me, it reminds me very similar of of the James Harden situation. They finally, like James Harden, barely played in Brooklyn, didn't score, was absolute fucking garbage. Looks incredible in Philly. I think it's very similar. It's just they have he got, he's got to find the right team, and they got to find the right team for him, and he'll be a contributor. I just again, I just don't know where that is. But but I don't think the the right team is a team he would go to. Or would want to play for it. I think I the, the right team is, as you said, is where he's the centerpiece. But any one of those teams are teams that he wouldn't be happy playing on because they're not contenders and they're not in the playoffs. He would probably want to go to a team that's, what, top six in the conference? Is there somebody Arguably? else who has like a disgruntled player? Because I think that's what made the Brooklyn-Philly trade work because they sent Ben Simmons back, right? So that's that. I'd be looking at it for another team that's looking for an opportunity to move somebody out, right? And... He's going to finish his career in Sacramento. They're going to bury him in Sacramento. <laughs> Sacramento. No one else wants to go. You but know. no, like, I get what you're saying. And I, I understand that. Can he be effective still? Yes. What does effective mean? Is it effective in relation to what his historicals are? Absolutely not. Is it effective of a number six, seven guy coming off the bench that's going to get you 12, 13, 14 points? Possibly. But are you paying $47 million for that? Absolutely not. Now, if you're getting two first-round picks for a Lakers team that's probably not going to be good in 2027, 2029, absolutely. I again, I still think he can be one A. It just depends on the team, and if and if he can play there. Listen, Philly went from contender to super contender by making that swap. So it's just maybe it's a place like I don't know who's the who's the guard in Denver, Jamal Murray, and who else? I don't know. That's the I'm. Uh, maybe Memphis uh, with Jaw and him in a backcourt. No, because I, I think Jaw Morant's a big character in that room. I think they clash real quick. Well, so so is Embiid, right? So I again, it all depends. So I, I'd just be looking at places that have a di- like. I, again, I don't know if there's anybody disgruntled on Memphis. That's I'd be looking for the opportunity to, to swap two disgruntled players. And the person coming back to the Lakers is going to at least contribute more than Russ and probably come at a less price. Shit, and I would contribute more than Russ at this point. <laughs> the dude, the dude, what the other night he put up seven shots, zero points. Right. I mean, did you see Ben Simmons' line? <laughs> ben Simmons just as bad. He had he, two he points. Fa- fouled out. <laughs> he fouled out. And he right? fouled out. And then so, who was it? And then oh, and then Kyrie got teed up in the game. But that's what I mean. Somebody's going to make that deal, right? Somebody's going to make that deal. I just don't know who it is. And they might. And then at that point, I say it's 50 50 whether they end up with James Harden or they end up with Ben Simmons, right? Like, I think that's where it stands with Russ right now. You're either going to get the Harden output or you're going to get the Simmons output. And we'll see, I guess. 
it's 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 fascinating though about like the Lakers and what they tried to do and just failed miserably at. Well, speaking of failing miserably, how about Soccer Canada, where <laughs> yeesh, or is it Canada Soccer? We'll say Canada. It's called Canada Soccer. Uh, we've covered Canada Soccer in a number of ways uh, on this program because it always seemed like they come up in the because they seem like they are. They're a bunch of kids at the adult table right now, and they don't know how to act, and they don't know what to do. And the players have been in a long dispute over you know, how this World Cup money is being distributed. And then there is the issue of the television rights and how it was sold years ago, and they don't make any money. The players, by they, don't make any money off these games. And then there is the issue with Nike and not getting new kits for the World Cup. And... Canada just wasn't considered, even considered by Nike to get new uniforms. And how much of that blame goes to Canada soccer? I don't know. Probably a lot of it. But now, also related to their jerseys, Alfonso's, Alfonso Davies' agent, uh, Nick Husse, advised Canada soccer to stop selling any jersey with Davies' name on it because he's not getting a dime out of these jersey sales. Like, what is happening? Why is it? Remember that time when I was trying to buy a Canada <laughs> soccer jersey and I couldn't get one? It took forever to arrive. And like, it's almost like they they saw the email come through of an order. They're like, we do this? I got to go <laughs> look in a warehouse somewhere where these jerseys are. It's like the are guard at the jail that wakes up. He's like, huh? What? What? What's going on? Like something for me to do? I don't know. It just it, it it badly reeks of an organization that is way in over their head right now. And obviously, entirely different situation than Hockey Canada, where there has been a lot of changes there, much needed changes. I think there's just as many much needed changes. Did you also see that video going around of the executives of Canada Soccer getting measured for these custom suits? Like, yeah. What was it like? Fifteen thousand dollars in suits that the it was so, it was, yeah it was, it was it was five figures low five figures but like they spent thousands of dollars on these suits and and like the head of Canada there. Soccer has to fly first class if it's over so many kilometers or hours of a flight or some shit like that yeah three hours Whereas the, the players are flying coach you yeah. know what three hours flight you say this organization's in over its head. I'm going to say something maybe a little bit controversial, but it's not going to come out the Canadian way I mean sports. it. Not Canadian sports. Both sides are in over their head. And I, I say this because I don't think... I think they're so used to not being anything that they didn't... Like, these things didn't matter to them, right? Like, the players probably were like, yeah, whatever. Like, Just happy to be here. Exactly, right? Like, they're, exactly. They're just... Hey, we're playing for the team. Like, go team. Solid. <laughs> yeah, reporting for duty, right? Like, the, <laughs> I don't think um, that's good. That's funny. Um, I don't think it was ever aware to them. You know, I think with success opens a lot of eyes to you. Like, it's <laughs> it's like I watched the Street Fighter movie the other day. It's like Zangief, you got paid, like, right? Like. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's you know, it th- I don't think the players understood the things they were even supposed to be getting. Do you know what I mean? And that sounds like I'm insulting them, but I'm not. I just think that they probably got enough from their club teams and from a national scale 
you know, it's not like they sit and talk to the Italian guys who don't speak English about what they're getting from their national teams or anything, right? I just, they probably didn't think, they probably didn't even think anything was coming, right? They probably just thought, you know, we're not that good, so we're not getting TV deals and we're not, we're not selling any jerseys, except for that two jersey order that that Dustin guy ordered. So they don't, it's only now when they're like, oh, we're actually supposed to be getting this shit that they're, they're fighting for. And they should. Absolutely. With all this stuff that's made, like, and kudos to Rick Westhead, who's basically been doing God's work for the last year oh. and a half, two years. Could you imagine that you're like any kind of organization or team or sport <laughs> and or Rick whatever? And it's door. like you have a meeting with Rick Westhead on the books. You're like, oh, fuck. What do we <laughs> like, do? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, well, bite the pillow. So, you know, because like, like the listen, west head is coming canada soccer is totally to blame but well, in, like you said they're they're way over their head this was never expected they're like what do we do yeah and then, and then what do they do when they taste success right they want to they want to act the part they want to go get suits look successful they want to fly first class like you know you know they could have gone to moors and gotten a really nice suit <laughs> and buy one get one just right. saying they they just i these are guys that clearly haven't been and like act like you've been there before right so these guys clearly haven't been there and then it shows so you know i know at the start of this whole thing with the money i was like hey we don't know what they're doing with it listen i'll say when i i was incorrect we now know what they're doing with it and it's pretty blatant that they're not they don't even have the proper system for royalties to these players and i wonder if if davies is able to pull his name i guarantee you they don't have an agreement in place period which again falls on the players just as much as it does on the team but they should absolutely pull their name well right they also sold the rights to a lot of their shit to a private business yes which is really fucking yeah this isn't just a mismanagement of money this is a mismanagement of overall soccer canada as an asset that and ethics how can yeah like how do you sell your, the assets of things like that and likenesses of players to a private business. You know, I don't know. Like the, the thing is for me, soccer's always just seemed arguably the most corrupt sport on the planet, whether it's because it's more overt than others that, you know, we see maybe it's different. Maybe just the vibe in Europe is different because like through FIFA, we see how corrupt it was for how yeah. long. And then do these guys just take a cue? Like, look, this is how it works. FIFA <laughs> did it, right? But and I think you're right. It, like, shitty attitude breeds shitty attitude. And if the all entire soccer is kind of grimy, I just, I don't know. I, I feel bad for the players, and I just think that it's not just. I, I do think they're in over their head, but I think partially that's because of whoever they have advising them or did for so long was just terrible advisement. You know, not saying take them to the woodshed, but at the same time, not saying like, hey, you know, you but guys. It's, it's entirely possible Canada Soccer was the ones advising them, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, yeah. Right. And I think that you're right. Like, it's too much power in the hands of, of kind of one thing. And that's why, you know, I don't. Does, like, who represents Canadian hockey players, right? Or Canadian whatever players? Like, there's no players association that's for professional leagues well remember when george larock tried to start a junior um pa yeah so i wonder i wonder if it's the government like does the government represent the players like i don't know like because that would 
it would, if it's a national program, I, I just I'm confused as as who who and is it the individual agents? I don't I don't know. It seems like a question that should have an answer. I think a lot of the hockey players. So to answer your question for hockey players, they're represented specifically by their agents because a lot of these kids have agents when they're ten years old and eleven years old. So which I imagine yes. is the way soccer is now too in this country, like with, but. Yeah, probably to a degree, but I don't think it's as a robust of a system as it is with hockey. That's for sure. You would just think there would be like a point person or something, right? That kind of looks out for the player's interests. But it, it seems like that was Canada soccer and they weren't doing that. No, it definitely weren't. And I think uh, Rick Westhead deserves a shout out. And that's what we like to do at the end of this show is talk about something positive and people that we like and we give them. A shout out. That's right. It's everyone's favorite segment of the week because it is a segment in which we get to hear Maven's entrance music from the Tough Enough series, which is available on the WWE Network. If you want to check out uh, season one of Tough Enough, I highly recommend going back and watching that because it's a lot of So... Uh, Westhead is not mine, and I don't know if you guys have come up with one, but for me, I'll go first. My shout out goes to none other than Gorilla Games. A couple reasons why. One, I think Horizon Forbidden West is going to be my game of the year as we're coming now up to October and we're going to have to start giving out that award. And maybe we'll give up that award on this show. But I think Horizon is just so much fun. And it constantly does that gameplay loop of dangles something in front of me that makes me want to go and see something else. But not only that, I always feel like, you know, always feel like both times that Gorilla has released Horizon, they've been just boned by something really big coming out like the week later. So the first one for uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, I thought it was an incredible game. But then like literally, I might be the same day actually, when Legend of Zelda... Uh, Breath, Breath of the Wild, Wild came out. Which is a and perfect game. Which everyone loves, and it's not for me. I hate the stupid the way the weapons break and all that, but yeah. whatever. I know uh, the majority of people favored that game over Horizon, and that's fine, but it still doesn't discredit the fact that Horizon was an awesome game. And then fast forward to this year, Horizon came out, and then like the next week later, it was Elden Ring, and <laughs> everyone just forgot that Horizon existed, and Elden Ring was the new baby in town, and everyone loved Elden Ring. So... My so shout-out goes to Gorilla Games. I love Horizon Forbidden West. Um, it's my game of the year thus far. I mean, we all know it's going to be God of War Ragnarok, but... That's a good point. I, I, <laughs> and that's coming soon. I can't wait to play that. Oh, It's coming out on the long week. Well, long weekend for me, because we're closed on the 11th. So I know what I'm doing all weekend of the, nice. <laughs> the 11th. But um, So I guess I'll go. My shout-out is... To and we kind of touched on this before, and I didn't want to spoil it, but man, what a moment for Nick Robertson, man! You know, like all the work you put in, the injuries and everything, and to score not only the two-one goal, but to essentially—how cool of a moment is it to be on a three-on-one in overtime, and you have the back-to-back Rocket Richard winner coming down the center with two? essentially three options pass left pass right or shoot and he's like you know what 
I think you got it. And he passes to you for the goal and your family's in the stands after the game they had in Arizona. I just think it was such a cool moment. So, you know, shout out to Nick Robertson because, you know, he's still got a long way to go, but I feel like he's finally here. And his 40 goal scoring brother was on the other side, right? So like, that's really cool to to get to. You would have gotten the worst text of your life after (laughs) that game if that was you and me. Right. Uh, my shout out is to Micah Parsons. And I don't know if you've checked out Micah Parsons on Twitter, but um, there was a video of a kid that was getting bullied going around uh, on Twitter. Um, and it was pretty sad to watch. And Micah immediately tweeted like, hey, man, give me this kid's contact info or like, where's this kid at? Um, and, you know, when that happens, what's going to happen? Um, man's going out of his way to make this kid's day and and, and try and, you know, uh, uplift a kid who probably had a shitty time and maybe might even talk some sense into some dumbass bullies at this school. So uh, anytime you see that happen and an athlete reaches out, is like, yo, where's this kid from? Or someone should be this kid's info. You, you know what's about to happen next and, and it's something pretty good and, and kind of like the power of sport, right? So my shout out goes to, to Micah Parsons for that. It was pretty cool to see. And we should also add one more shout out to all of you for subscribing and for sharing this episode with your friends and for subscribing on YouTube. We thank you very much for joining us this week on 43.6, episode 28 of 43.6. We will see you next week for episode 29 of 43.6, the sports podcast you've always wanted. Bye.